Hey everyone, and welcome to Beyond the Sermon, a weekly podcast where we unpack the sermon from Yarmouth Wesleyan Church and talk about things with a different level of depth and detail that a sermon just doesn't allow you to do. Each episode will be about 30 minutes long, and we'd love to hear from you. If you find this helpful, if you've got questions, if there's things you want us to talk about, let us know. You can find us online at yarmouthwc.com, or you can email us at mark at yarmouthwc.com. Thank you for listening, and it would be a big help if you would share, if you would like and subscribe. It all helps. Thanks again for being here today. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Well, welcome, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to the latest edition of Beyond the Sermon. Uh, I am with you today. I am Mark, if you have not yet heard my voice on this podcast. Uh, and with me today is our illustrious leader, AJ Pleasure. It's been a while. It has been a while since you've been on. It's, it's actually been a lot of fun to have yeah. some of these guests, um, some people on with some new voices, some fresh takes on stuff. And uh, I have been pleasantly surprised People hear from us all the time, so a chance mm. to hear from leaders, people in our community, people who are kind of bounced around the building, but you don't always get to pause. I thought it was great to do some other people. And they did excellently. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, people are admittedly nervous when they're put in front of a microphone, and they know it's going to be on the internet. And even a few people, when they arrived, were just kind of like, okay, I think, I think I'm ready. And then they crushed it yeah. and came prepared and they, they did excellently. So if you have missed some of those, uh, you can go back, find the library. Um, it's just all of our beautiful resistance series weeks one through today is seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you should go back and listen to the, some, some of those episodes. They were, they were really great today though. We're going to wrap it up. This is going to be it for beautiful resistance. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast, why we are not doing week eight. So we have one more chapter. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, it's been a great series and a great book. I had someone stop me in the community and say, pastor, I mean, no offense by this, but this is the best series you've ever done. I know it's not yours. <laughs> <laughs> like, listen, you don't offend me at all. John Tyson is a fantastic pastor. He's a fantastic writer. And, but there was like this. This is the best thing we've ever right. done. Sorry, <laughs> and you Pastor. didn't do it. Right. <laughs> we we chose not to preach through page by page, mm-hmm. um, but to build sermons around topics that he has brought forth and yeah. little one liners and stuff. But it's thematically, I've needed it. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people have felt like this was a good refocusing series. Yeah, it's just one of those. This is what it means to yeah. live like a kingdom person in the twenty first century. Yep. Yeah where it's a struggle and a battle and there is resistance, Mm -hmm. but here's how you can do it and do it well. And, uh, he's writing from the context of New York city. I call it little Yarmouth. Right. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Yep. I think he calls it that too, right? I think he, I think he does. I think we're big New York city. (laughs) We're big New York city. We're the the New York city of the Maritimes. That's right. That's right. Yep. Um, but despite those two very different contexts, the principles of the book are unchanged and it is, it is an excellent resource. So, well, I think sometimes for us in the church world, especially people, places like Yarmouth, I mean, we do need to watch New York city. We do need to watch LA. We do need to watch some of the cities to see what's trending. Halifax, Ottawa, Vancouver, 
rural is going to get it after the cities go through it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think you're right. He's on the front. He's on the front end of the wave as culture shifts and moves. So we do need to learn from those who are going before us, even if it's just culturally going before us. Right. Absolutely. Uh, well, this week, uh, in kind of the theme that he has been doing throughout the entire book and that we've been doing in the series is that this kingdom thing must resist mm-hmm. this way of the world. Uh, and this week was how sacrifice must resist privilege. Uh, give us, if you can, just like a brief summary, 30 to 60 second summary of what that means so that as we're talking about it, people will have some context mm-hmm. if they missed it. It's funny, I said sacrifice must resist privilege and people just kind of froze and looked at me. But as soon as I said, we're blessed to bless, mm. all the heads started nodding. <laughs> right. Oh, and, I get and that. And so privilege is kind of a word like you think of other people being privileged, right. but we are blessed to bless. We are being given strengths and advantages to help those weaker, those disadvantaged. And so we're blessed to bless. Mm. Um, and so you had some, this was one of those sermons where as you're listening, you're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> like sometimes you hear a good sermon and you admire, you know, oh, that was a solid sermon, or I really hope so-and-so was listening, or whatever. But this was one of those, oh, this is about me. Mm-hmm. I am in this. Mm-hmm. Some some of those daggers that you said that are hard to deny. Uh, and you even talked about that. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to resist the idea that I am privileged. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure why we do that, but we don't like to think that we are for whatever variety of reasons, um, but privileges are meant to be poured out mm-hmm. is something that, that you said in the sermon yeah. as well. And so let's talk about what that means. Um, I, I liked one angle specifically that you talked about when you said, we love to talk about the church as an entity, as this like conglomerate of people, which it is, but sometimes we like to talk about, oh, the church should be generous. The mm-hmm. church should give more. The church should be serving more. Um, but sometimes we say that because it's easy to take the onus off of myself. Mm-hmm. And instead, we should be saying, oh, I should be yeah. more generous. I should be more serving. Well, yeah, I think that the church is an organizational statement. And I use that language all the time, meaning the collection of the Christians. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it is easier to say an anonymous organization or a faceless organization should be doing something that a faced person isn't doing. Mm -hmm. And so I've even had people say to me, like, well, the church ought to, or the church should do more. And it's not always the time or place to push back, but it really is the church can only do what the collection of the individuals are doing. Right. So if the church is going to be generous, that can only happen by Christians being generous. And if enough Christians are generous, they can rally the troops and do something big. And whether that's us as a staff, not calling people to things that we're not doing, or whether it's mm. someone shaking their fist at an organization that they're not participating in, like we should, we should help those who are hungry and starving and cold and imprisoned. Okay, are mm-hmm. you feeding, clothing, and visiting those in jail? And so I think it's really easy to snipe from the bleachers. Mm. It's really easy. <laughs> I mean, I am an excellent athlete 
on my couch. Yes. <laughs> Same. I don't know why some of these pro pro athletes miss shots or drop passes or strike <laughs> out. Like I would have hit that. Yeah. And I think we bring that to the church. We're like, you ought to just be doing this. Well, okay. We will be growing. We want to get better. Yeah. That's only on the backs of us as individuals participating in the collective mission. So I maybe the Lord just stung me on that one this week. So I felt the need to bring it forward, but yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'll sit on the couch and lament. Oh, I'll, I'll talk about the Leafs like I'm one of them. Yep. And I'll say, we are so bad yep. at defense or we really need better goaltending. Yep. Um, but when I'm, you know, even lamenting some certain parts of them, like, man, they need to get their act together or mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's easy to to say those things because I have no involvement. Mm-hmm. I have no ownership. I'm not on the ice. I don't, right? But when it comes to the church... Um, th- there is that tendency to feel like I want this to operate the way I want it to operate, mm-hmm. but I don't want to do any of the heavy lifting. Yeah. And I know that also works in the opposite way when people say, well, the church hurt me, so I'm never going back. Yeah. Well, it probably wasn't the church. Yeah, it was someone. It was one or two people. Yeah. Um, but enough people have that tendency to mm-hmm. to lump the whole church instead of this one unit yeah. or, or whatever. So if you think, what difference can I make? I'm just one person. When you're talking about generosity, think about, well, you, someone was just one person and they had a huge impact on someone the opposite oh, way. Absolutely. Uh, and, and so I think we, we underestimate what we're capable of doing as a person yeah. who said, I'm going to move forward and do this. Well, and I don't need permission from a pastor. I don't need the blessing of, like, I can just go do this. Yeah. And what a different conversation to show up in a pastor's office at the church, so to speak, and say, I've got a burden to put shoes on every kid in Yarmouth, or I should say winter boots. That's a better winter boots on every kid in Yarmouth. I've got the burden and I went and bought the first five pairs. Right. Do you know anybody else who might have a similar burden for me? That's a different conversation than showing up saying, why isn't the church putting boots on children? Right. <laughs> well, we, one, we okay, is that, mm-hmm. a, is that a dream? Is that a burden? Did God nudge you? Like, Let's start by asking what's next and not just shaking our fist at things. Mm-hmm. And again, I mean, we're not broad stroking that every person is like this, but often there are times where individuals hide behind yeah. the broader conversation. And I think it's true in the community too. Our community ought to be more mm-hmm. something. Well, right. then we as individuals ought to be more. How are you contributing right. to what you're doing in the community? right. right. And so there is that that personal ownership. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's that's a huge. It's just big. You and yeah. I both know as pastors the conversations that you just mentioned. We have way more of the we should be doing more of this, yeah. and far less of the I'm going to go do this. Yeah, who can you get to equip me? Yeah, and um, and let's be honest, we don't disagree. No, like we should be nope. more. I agree. I think we should be more generous, more whatever. I agree. We're not on, I'm not your opposition. Just how are we going to do it? Yeah. Who is God calling? So we're never in disagreement that we should love more, serve more, help more. 100%. Let's talk about the plan and, and the who. Yeah. And, and a lot of this boils down to, as you mentioned in your message, heart transformation, mm-hmm. that you can't you can't guilt people into service. You can't guilt people into generosity. Mm-hmm. Um, that that picture of we should be doing more. Um, yeah, you should be, yeah. right? Like yeah. you can't turn the tables because that doesn't motivate or entice people yeah. to do what is right. Yeah. 
and and you can you can guilt someone into doing something once. Get a one-off, yeah. Right? Like if I make someone feel bad enough, maybe they'll contribute financially to this thing yep. just to get me off their back. But heart transformation says I now have a heart that's geared towards generosity and wants to live in a way that, I, that this is now how I operate on a day-to-day basis. When you think of even in Acts where 3,000 people got saved, <laughs> the disciples are playing catch-up at that point. And I think sometimes in the modern church, the pastors are, or the leaders of the church, but maybe pastors might be just a, a really key leader, are cranking the wheel to create momentum and then rallying a few people to help carry it forward. Mm-hmm. Where I picture in Acts, the momentum was already going because the individuals were going and the disciples had to create structures around it. And I, there are days I dream and think, hey, what would happen if I had 100 people a week calling me because they were doing X, Y, or Z, and I was playing catch-up to the move of God <laughs> versus trying to, God, God we're going to pray, we're going to believe. And so I get excited not by being the hero and how can we rally the troops, but how can the troops be rallied because God's speaking, and we start to hustle and build infrastructure right. around it. Like right. It's not dragging forward, but running behind it. God, you're on a tear. You've, you've woke up your people, so let's let's get after it. Yeah. it it's, a, it's a big shift. That, yeah, what a... What a fantastic dynamic mm. that would be that you would have to try and convince your people to like, hold on, hold mm. on, wait, we've got we've to fix this uh, so that it works well rather than trying to light a fire under people right. all the time. Right. And maybe, maybe it's that way because we have relied more on guilt totally. than we have on transformation. Totally. That's, that's to the regret of the church perhaps. Mm-hmm. This is me generalizing the church like we just talked about. Um, But maybe we haven't enticed people with the gospel Mm -hmm. correctly because if we were, there would be a genuine desire to Mm -hmm. do what is right Mm -hmm. rather than, oh, I I turned to Jesus because I didn't want to go to hell and I was afraid of what, right? Like it's a completely different dynamic. And then then even just how the church was structured for so long that the pastors were the key holders. Right. Like, no, we are Christians too. I have a Christian duty and a Christian responsibility that might be carried out in part by being a pastor, but there are lots of Christians who have callings, burdens, passions, and we serve shoulder to shoulder. Mm. But there was a point in church history where the pastors held the keys, so it created passivity in the ranks. That's the pastors collectively. That, that was an era. That was a misfire. I don't think maliciously, it was just a misfire. And we are starting to see a shift back to the royal priesthood, mm. the, commu- the, the all the saints yeah. coming together. Let's each use our gifting. So I think we are seeing yeah. a rebound. Which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. And, and I hope that's one of the key shifts the church makes yeah. in this generation. Yeah. Um, I remember one of our professors at, at college saying his, his favorite ministry verse was, I think it's Ephesians 4.12, mm-hmm. where our job is to equip the yeah. saints to do the work yeah. of ministry, um, which shouldn't have been like a mind-blowing thought for me, but it was at the time yeah. because you get this idea that the pastors are the ones who do the professional ministry mm-hmm. and they just try and entice people to join them. Right. But that is not even biblical. Right. The biblical role is that we are equipping the people to go do the ministry. Mm. And and I find myself veering into, I'll just do the ministry because right. I know how to do it and, and I'll get it done and I'll, I'll invite people to join me along the way. Yeah. Um, but again, that's me acting in a way 
that is not biblical. <laughs> well, it's even, hard. even being so careful to recruit people to help me, mm-hmm. like even that, even our language has to be so careful that they're not helping us. They're, they're serving the Lord. And really the great, the great lie of serving is actually helps them. Right. Like I receive when I give, I'm yeah. blessed when I go. So you, you're not even helping me. You're just being helped when you serve the Lord. Like it mm. does something to you. And so I think we need to kind of revive that again, where it's not drudgery or burdensome. It can be joy. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even to remove sometimes the person or uh, how do you word this? Like the specific church. Sometimes people will do think, well, I, I love AJ, so I'll do it to, right. to help him out. Or I, right. I love Yarmouth Wesleyan, so I'll yeah. do it. But, but all of those things pass away. All of them. Right? Like mm-hmm. if, if people are only here serving at the church because they like you, mm-hmm. a day will come. Yep. Just whenever, yep. whatever that looks like, where you won't be here. Yep. And if their only motivation was because I liked AJ, then there's going to be kind of a crisis of faith yep. when it's not you anymore. Yep. And this church has belonged in the hands of all kinds of pastors, yep. and it will continue to belong in the hands of all kinds of future pastors. Uh, so even removing that burden or that that desire of yeah. serving because it's based on a temporary person or yeah. thing um, is also unhelpful. Mm-hmm. We need to do it because it's right mm-hmm. and because my heart is transformed because I care about the church. Yep. And that's that can be tricky for people. Um, I think another tricky part of generosity and service uh, is thinking that I have nothing to offer, but when I do, I'll be sure, you know, I, I can't give much right now, but man, when, when I get rich or if I ever get wealthy, you better believe I'll have all kinds of money coming your way. Yep. Uh, lies. Yep. <laughs> it, we've all bought it. Yep. Whether it was money, time, it. energy, I'll, I'll pray more when I'm older and wiser. I'll, I'll love more when my kids are gone and not depleting my emotional tanks. <laughs> I'll do this when my calendar's more clear. Uh, I just bumped into somebody who's retired in the community, uh, attended our church, and they said, I am so busy. Hmm. I used to take care of my kids. Now I take care of my grandkids. It's, right. a, it's a lie. You make more money, you buy a bigger house, buy a newer car, buy a second car, buy more groceries, like have more subscriptions to media. We fill whatever it is we have so quickly. Mm-hmm. And so the great lie of next year I'll – Oh, yeah. Start with the pennies. Yeah. And and it's that lie that it'll somehow be easier to give if I have a lot because there'll be a lot left or whatever that belief is. Um, But if you can't give a little Mm -hmm. from your little, then you aren't training yourself Mm -hmm. to be able to give more when you actually get more. And so the weird irony is like, Wait, you think you'll be able to give five hundred dollars someday, but you can't give five today? Yeah. Like if you can't let go of five, yep. the idea that in some future world mm-hmm. you're letting go of five hundred is a little laughable. Um, because we're not training ourselves totally. to just do what's right with what we've been given. I, I still do uh, like physical tithe envelopes. And because I'm here on Sundays preaching, running around like a crazy person. Uh, I get my box of envelopes every year and have all the dates and they're all weekend stamped, but I'll have the tithe money at home in our budgeting envelopes. And every so often I'll remember, I'll have to bring out like seven envelopes. (laughs) 
<laughs> and it all has real money in it. Yeah. And I'll have that flicker of like, this is a lot of money, seven weeks of tithe. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder what I could use that for. Yeah. It, it's really not a thought. Like, I'll have that joking thought. But I, my dad made me give a little when I was a kid, when I was mm-hmm. a teenager, when I started my first real job and so on, so on, so on. I can't imagine getting to an adult and then parting with much more significant money than when you're right. 12 or 13. Yeah. Um, but time is the same way. I think when Tom preached on, t- on, on the Sabbath or rest back in this series, one day of Sabbath seems impossible for people. Right. Be- it's only because it seems so foreign. And we did get that feedback from people. Right. Like, how could I possibly... Do you know anything about my life? Yeah. And time, everyone has the same amount of time. Money is a separate subject, Mm -hmm. but it's because it's gone so far. We've let it drift so far. It seems impossible to take a day off and rest. And yeah, it's, it's because we didn't start young. And the idea that you would have to like go from zero to 60 at the drop of a hat. Yeah. You know, it's not the expectation either when we talk about tithing to someone Mm -hmm. that this is a foreign concept. It's not like, well, start giving 10% next week. You're like, hold on. I got to figure out my budget and I got to realign some things here. Uh, And so same with generosity and serving. It's not like we're asking you out of nowhere just to like revamp your life at the turn of a hat. But it is building it into your life so that it becomes normal. So here's the kicker for any mature believers out there. Why do, why do we often think 10% is the arrival point? Right. One, it's Old Testament, and it's not much by way of New Testament 10% teaching, but it's almost like I did, I got to 10%. Mm. If we keep trusting God, and if he keeps being generous to us, isn't it all his? And if he wants 20 or 30%, isn't that kind of on him? Or even a spontaneous, irregular, large gift? Isn't that on him to ask for? But the same is true for, for time. Like I'll volunteer for one hour a week. 15 years later, if you're still serving one hour a week, I'm not sure we've grown in our sacrifice. Right. So to the same person who isn't able to take a whole day and give it back to God or 10% or whatever, wherever you start with, I don't think getting to the place where 10% or that's not, that's not the end point. That's mm. just the journey. Mm-hmm. And God may ask more from you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, calendar, financially, like, but it's, it's a blessing. Mm-hmm. It's a journey with him where you trust him more and your sacrifice grows with your maturity. Right. And that picture, even scripturally, where, where Jesus said, if you've been trusted with a little, mm-hmm. then he'll be able to trust you with a yeah. lot more. Yeah. And so as your, as your trust grows and your stewardship grows... So do the opportunities Absolutely. that will come with that. Um, it's that picture of, I know Dave Ramsey, people are polarized with yeah. their, their views on him, but his line about live like no one else yeah. so that later you can live like no one else yeah. really does make a lot of sense. Like yeah. people might think you're crazy right now to you know, cut up your credit cards and spend cash only and whatever. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of it is so that someday right. you'll have wealth but his big thing isn't just that you'll have accumulated wealth. Yeah. It's so that you can be generous, yeah. right? And be able to do all those things. Like, I just wish I could go pay, yeah. you know, buy someone a car. I, yeah. w- I, I wish I could just go, you know, just do whatever that wild thing is that would make someone's day yeah. or year. Uh, and, and that really is, you could argue biblically, the point of wealth. Mm-hmm. That if God is blessing you with it, it's to bless others with yeah. it. Yeah. And 
that is fun. Like there is a joy in that. And the lie of, if I keep this, I'll have more for myself. Right. It is way less fun than having the opportunity to go out and do something with it. 100%. Um, well, let's shift gears here briefly for these last few minutes, because we want to talk about next week, mm-hmm. uh, in the book, the chapter is on celebration. Uh, it is also lined up quite conveniently with Easter. That it is. Uh, and so we're not going to do an episode next week to kind of wrap this all up, but can you give us a bit of a sneak about like, all right, what is this whole celebration thing about yeah. and how are you tying it in and how does it stand yeah. alone? Some of that stuff. Well, when we mapped out the series, we were going to do a hybrid. We were going to do pieces of the book. And we thought, you know what? It's all pretty good. Let's do the whole series. And so eight weeks landed us on Easter, and the last thing was celebration. But as I've been studying and praying, and, and I, I do think God is birthing a different angle from my Easter sermon than I've done in other years or I've even considered before, it will have celebration as an underlying theme, but I'm not going to walk through Tyson's angles or any of those kinds of ideas. Um, But it's definitely worth reading. It's worth processing and getting your head around. But I don't think on Easter we need the reminder to celebrate. Right. (laughs) His angle is that our cynicism or our celebration must resist our cynicism, which I thought was irrelevant because Canadians aren't cynical. Not remotely. (laughs) And Atlanticans definitely aren't cynical. That is a place where we're ahead of New York City. (laughs) Canada's got America beat in cynicism. Absolutely. And so while, and I also thought, I don't want to be talking about cynicism on Easter. Right. Like part of the beautiful resistance is to talk about what we're not, hate, uh, idolatry, whatever. Um, Easter, I, I, I wanted Easter to be Easter, mm-hmm. but for our, for a couple minutes here, my goodness, we're cynical. Like my, <laughs> what? And and I do think even Atlantic Canadians, uh, you go into Northern Maine too, you find some of the same traits in people. Mm-hmm. There is a cynicism that is not true in much of America, mm-hmm. in much of the states. Like it, it is different. We're almost cynical about how not cynical they are, right? Like we'll find. We're weirdly proud mm-hmm. sometimes of our own cynical Absolutely. ways, which is a weird thing to take pride in. I've often said in in the states, you can walk, you can go around the countryside doing seminars on how I made my first million. Here's how you can too, and mm-hmm. people come out in droves. Yeah, there's nobody doing that in Canada. <laughs> like there are no power positive thinking <clears throat> seminars in. Can't you'll bump into them? You don't hear no. about them. You you look across like that's just not our mo. And the problem is it creeps into church. Mm-hmm. And while we don't believe a million is easy to make, I think we sometimes don't believe God is able to do things either. Right. And yeah. so that same cynicism, that whole tall poppy syndrome, like all that stuff that is in yeah. our de- winter, <laughs> all those things that. <laughs> A cold, wintry day that erodes our hope mm-hmm. and joy at times. I think we sit in church a lot and just think, "Meh, good enough." Right. I, you just you, you feel it. Like I've traveled a little bit. You've traveled a bit. You go to some worship services. It is high octane, high energy. Volunteers are almost vibrating. Like how many Red yeah. Bulls did you have today? Yeah. Our culture is just not tipped towards that. And we roll our eyes at it. Oh my right? goodness, my, do we ever. And, and I'm guilty of that. I am like, this is a heart. I'm glad you're not preaching on this. Because, <laughs> but I've, I've gone to like, I remember my first few trips to a mega church. Yeah. And, and you walk in and you're almost like, 
this isn't for real. Yeah. Like, come on, you guys. Yeah. And and almost an eye rolling, like, this is fake. You're putting this on. This yeah. isn't – and not even allowing my heart to believe, like, people are actually excited. Yeah. People are actually, like, earnest about this. Totally. Um, which is my – you know, that, that's my shortcoming that I need to get better at, um, of just, just believing better Mm -hmm. and believing more Mm -hmm. about God and the church and for the future rather than. Even if you hear church, Hey, X church baptized 10 people or a hundred people like, well, Mm -hmm. do, did they really know what they were doing? Did they? Were they saved? Do they? He do, must they, have, do they know who they are now? He must have sold out. <clears throat> that yeah. pastor, he must have really cheapened up the gospel because yeah. if he and I are preaching the same thing and nobody got saved at my church and a hundred got saved at his church, he clearly took out the offensive parts. Yeah. And we've we're, all, uh, we're we've, so bad at this. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah. And I think pastors maybe are the most cynical of the Christians in Canada. Mm. Um, but I do think that's our issue as pastors. The people right. in the room... I think we discredit a lot of hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, we're about to go That's into good. Easter weekend, and I want to say some things about what God is able to do, and I, I'm already preparing myself for when people just stare blankly at me. Right. <laughs> like, our God is a God of rex- resurrection, and people will just stare, and like the slow blink. Yeah. Like, how did we get to a place where that's shoulder-shrugging news? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I don't know how. This is the one I don't know how we dig our way out of. All yeah. the other topics, I felt yeah. pretty confident in terms of like, okay, next steps. This one seems hard. Mm-hmm. This one seems like you need a radical encounter with the miraculous to yeah. jar you foundationally. We're not good at celebration We're not good in at the it. church, nope. right? If that is the the antidote to cynicism, yep. we have dropped the ball. And I have yep. dropped the ball. Me too. And they they had parties built into the calendar. You God read the Old laud, Testament, laud right? It. Like yeah. like break out the harps and the lyres yeah. and the cymbals yeah. and sing out loud and dance and 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 it was weekly and monthly and years of jubilee yeah. and man we have yeah we've just not done a great job. No, no. And and I I say we. I've not done a great job. No, same. I've been I'm to churches you. where yep. I've seen other people do a yep. great job. Yeah. And my heart says, eh. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We're jealous. What, what, one of those chapters I need to read yep. and and do some work on for sure. See, but if you're winning, I'm not. Right. And that's the So I can't, I can't celebrate Mark's wins because if he's getting ahead, I must not be because I have this scarcity mindset. If yep. God's blessing you, then he must not be blessing me. And so jealousy creeps in, envy, all those other ugly things that I hate to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as soon as you buy a new car, my car looks old. Right. What's well, weird, it was perfectly fine yesterday, so I can't celebrate your new car. or yeah. what, like, And it's yeah. amazing how fast that I bought, creeps in. It's funny. I bought a new car yesterday. Did you? It, I hope, it's, it's, a, I hope it, it's a hunk of junk. It is not new. It is 13 years old. Fantastic. Bought an old beater just to fly around town, paid cash, yep. that whole deal. Yep. And and I went back to the place today. Is that today. your hunk of junk Toyota there I saw? It, it sure is. I saw it there. I was like, who's, who's yeah, Toyota Whose junk is that? It's mine, and I love it. That's awesome. But I went back to to pay and did sign paperwork today mm-hmm. and whatever, and he had a new car there. And I was like, oh, oh, should I? I know. Should I go look at that one before I sign on this? Yeah. Like, immediately, the one you have mm-hmm. all of a sudden feels just a little inferior to the yep. one you don't. Yep. And it is that mindset of... I just, we just need to get better 
at this whole thing. I sold my 13, 14 year old Civic last summer mm-hmm. and then picked up a, a five, six year old Fusion, whatever, whatever year it is now. Um, and the week I'm driving it, I'm eyeballing another car. Right. <laughs> it was perfectly fine. And we walk into malls, we walk into places where there's a new thing there. Mine was fine, but now it's not. We, we don't know how to celebrate. Yeah. I think we're over-entertained. That's part of the problem. Yes. Like that, the options are abundant. That is a whole podcast episode totally. in and of itself. Yeah. The never-ending pursuit of the newest, yeah. greatest generation yeah. of whatever. I mean, some cell phone company expects me to enjoy this phone for like three years <laughs> i can't celebrate this phone for we, three years we had this conversation recently that should only be two years this is outrageous we're just so hardwired for next yeah. we can't celebrate this and yeah. what we have and so you better celebrate your 13 i am celebrating my 13 year old yeah. honda or toyota yeah. i'm yeah. pumped yeah that's and, awesome and so i saw I'll, it out there and I was, i'll drive around and and be jealous at everyone else's cars because that's how it works but then uh we're always jealous of their external things but we don't know their internal journeys right we don't know yeah. the debt people carry. Right. We don't know the stuff people are going through. Yeah. And so it it's not always as it appears. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Melissa. Well, awesome. We need we need to wrap this thing up. Absolutely. Uh, we are we are going on some some tangents here, but we've got to come to an end uh, of the beautiful resistance series. It was awesome. It was great. It was the best thing you've, best thing, you've, you've best, never come up with. It was the best thing I didn't write. <laughs> Uh, Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and for joining us on this beautiful resistance journey. If you missed some, go back and catch them. We really have had some great episodes. Uh, Stay tuned for the future. We will be back with another series and more podcasts. And so uh, thanks again for being a part of this, and we will talk to you later.